truth. He would not even speak on his own initiative, but he would speak what Jesus tells him. He would tell us things that are of Christ and what is of Christ will eventually be ours because of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. We, we need you. We ask that you would open up our hearts and our ears. Open up our minds that we might receive what God wants for us. And we thank you. And we bless you. And we honor you. So we ask that you would feed us today. Feed us on your word. And we may get a revelation from the Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. Amen. It's so good to have you here this morning. And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to turn immediately uh, to our scripture. And I'm going to ask Kayla. Kayla is my uh, backpacker in my glasses so I can only see. So it's right there in the black. So let's turn to our scriptures very quickly. We're going to turn to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And uh, what we've been doing in the last several weeks is talking about in that third chapter what it means to, thank you, be a, be a family. And so when we look at this third chapter, we're going to look at it and we're going to read uh, verse 14. Now, uh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 14 and verse uh, 15. And uh, what I want to say to you today is that uh, I was in a, a meeting this week with a bunch of city pastors. And while I was in that meeting, there was a question that was asked because the theme for this year uh, for the, uh, the Full College Church Network is called City Transformation. And the word transformation basically means that the current realities are different than they once were. So your city is being transformed. Your life is being transformed. So if the current reality of the day or better tomorrow, then that's a transformation that has been going on. And the question was asked in the circle, if you had one wish for God to come and deal with us as a city or deal with us as churches or deal with us as pastors, what would be the request? And when the request got to me, I asked one question. I said, you know what? When I sum it all up, I pray that the Spirit of God will bring his fear back to the church. We'll bring his fear back to the church. That we as a people would get back up under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that Paul, when he makes these two statements in verse uh, 14 and 15, that's what he's referring to. So I'm going to read these scriptures to you. It's Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, you need to understand that Paul is coming off of a statement that he made in verse 13, but also coming off some things that he has said in verses 1 through 12. In chapter 3, this is what Paul is saying. And see, everybody in America wants.
wants rights. Watch this. I want you to listen to me now when I say this. Everybody wants rights, but nobody wants responsibility. Nobody. Everybody wants rights, but they don't want the responsibility of those rights. Whatever it might be, there are consequences to rights. So whenever somebody says, I just want my right, whether it's a man or woman or people with any kind of lifestyles, there's responsibility and consequences that goes with that. And so Paul here in this 14th and 15th verse is saying something to us about revelation, responsibility, and reward. You're going to see it here in just a moment. Now, you're going to see how you can dig that out of these three verses. And so I want to say this to you. The reason why this message is entitled Theology on Its Knees is because theology is the study of the nature of God, God's desire for man, and God's purpose for man. That's theology. But see, theology gets on its knees when man encounters something about God that he understands to be revelatory, that he understands to be responsible, and that he understands that will be a reward. And so when Paul says in these two verses, I, for this reason, bow my knees, he's bowed his knees for a reason. And he's bowing his knees to say something to you and I, but also to say something back to God. So Paul is telling us the reason why he's bowing his knees. He's also telling us who he is bowing to. Now watch this. He's also telling us what he is bowing for. Now I don't know if there's anybody in this room that don't want some kind of insight from God. Whether it's about your life, whether it's about this city, whether it's about church, it doesn't make any difference. You, you want it. But when you get it, what do you do with it? Do you say a whole, whole, whole past protect chips? It's just nice that God gave that to me. Paul was different. When Paul got to Revelation, the first thing he knew is that he had a responsibility. That's the first thing that he knew. And after that, he saw something reflected back to him in reward. So I'm going to take you to these scriptures, and I'm going to show you through these scriptures, what it meant by theology on his knees. See, see, theology on his knees is nothing more than intercession. But let me tell you something, man. Intercession is not a gift. Intercession is not some office that you have. You got a whole bunch of people in this city think that they have the gift of intercession. Let me tell you something, man. Intercession is a responsibility. Intercession is something that we all do. Period is intercede. And so when you get on your knees, you begin to intercede. When you get on your knees, you take theology and you put it on this knees and you intercede. But if you're truly interceding, which basically means this now, which basically means this, that you begin to rouse yourself up to get the mind of God. And not only do you get the mind of God, but you get the mind of God about that which you're praying about. That's what intercession is again. Intercession is not uh, uh, getting things from God. See, intercession says this. I'm not coming to God with my hands out. I'm coming to God with my hands up. I'm coming to God getting his heart. I'm coming to God getting his mind. I'm coming to God getting his thinking. I'm coming to God getting his attitude. I'm coming to God getting his atmosphere. That's intercession. Intercession is not that sign trying to twist God's arm. It's not trying to somehow make God do something. It's not you trying to manipulate God to do something particularly. So Paul says right
before he gets ready to pray this prayer for the Gentiles, here's what he said. He says, for this reason, there's a reason. I bow my knee. And I bow my knee before the Father. And then he begins to tell you that it is from the Father where we all have our origin. It is from the Father where we even get our name. Now, did you guys know that when you intercede, you worship? When you intercede, you find worth? And when you intercede, you find wealth? Did you know that? Right here in these two scriptures, that's what it's about. And the church needs to get back to that worship. The church needs to get back to her work. The church needs to get back to the fact that God has made her wealthy. But you do that through intercession. Guess what will happen? If a city does that, does the Bible not say when things go well with the righteous, the city is blessed, and by the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted. It says that in Psalms 11. It says that. And so I want, I mean, I'll talk to that. So, so, so I want you to see this. So are you with me so far this morning? Okay? Because uh, y'all just shake your head and say amen or something. Amen. All right, oh, good. All right, now, here's what I want to show you, because here's a series of scriptures that we're going to go through. It's going to help you see what verse 14 and 15 is saying and why he bows the knee. And I'll ask you a question. When the last time you bowed the knee when God gave you insight? When the last time you get on your knees and worship because God decided to tell you something? When the last time you see the value and the wealth and what he shared? I would tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we need to put theology on his knees. Let me say it differently. Theology needs to put us on our knees. Now, the first thing I want you to see is in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Now, when you read 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, what you're going to see is this. Because one of the first things you're going to see in worship is that this. He says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required, watch this, that stores, in stores, that one be found faithful. There was a man by the name of Clarence Thomas years and years ago. I think he's still on the Supreme Court. He was talking to a bunch of kids one day, and they were doing a little documentary on him. Here's what he said to those kids. The one child asked him, hey, uh, how does it feel being a judge with all that power and all that authority? You know what he said to that little child so graciously? He says, look here. The authority that I have is on loan from the people. What he was saying is, I want to be a good steward of what I have. When God gives you revelation, one of the first things you need to understand is that you need to be a good steward of it. A good steward. So Paul says this, I'm a good steward of what was given to me. That's in chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Now, the next thing that I want you to see why verse 14 and 15 is so important is that I want you to look at 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Now, here's what 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for so not only when you get a revelation, you need to be what? A good steward, but you need to be what? Humble. Anytime God reveals something to me through somebody else that I do not know, it's a humbling thing. It forced me on my 
knees. It causes me to worship, not with my hand out, but my hand up. And therefore, I become a good steward. The second thing that happens is I become humble because God so chose to tell me that. He didn't have to, but he did. So Paul is saying, let's allow theology to drive us to our knees so that we can be people of worship. And in that worship, man, we'll be good stewards. In that good stewardness, we will be what? Humble. Now, here's the third thing I want you to look at in another set of scripture. When you look here at, at, at Ephesians 1, 2. Okay. And Ephesians 1, 2. Now, this is something unique. All of you have been to funerals at some point or another. And I'm going to use this illustration to share something with you. It said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens, the places, and in Christ. Now, this word blessed is a Greek word that means eulogia. You know what eulogia means? It means to eulogize someone. It means to speak well of them. Now, isn't it something that at a funeral, when a person is dead, we want to speak well of them? God says, I want you to speak well of them, me, when I'm alive. Because I'm a God of a lot that's alive. And usually we speak well of somebody because they're dead. There's nothing else they can do. There's no other life that they can live. So we sum up their life. God is saying, bless be the God. Eulogize him. Speak well of him. So when we get to the point in our life to where we give revelation, that revelation is going to lead us to something. It's going to lead us to a stewardship. It's going to lead us to a humility. Watch this. In that worship, it's going to lead us to what? Eulogize God. So Paul says, when I bow the knee, I'm bowing it for a reason, man, because I want to eulogize God. I want to speak well of him because he gave me revelation. And that's all of our worship. And some of the times we don't get revelation because when we get it, we don't worship it. Some of the times we don't get insight because when we get it, we make it think that it makes us feel better. God says, I'll give you revelation, but are you going to worship me? Are you going to humble yourself? Are you going to be a good steward of it? I think you will. And are you going to speak well of me and say, man, God gave me that. I just got a bit of revelation this week that brought me to my knees, ladies and gentlemen. Brought me to knees to pray. Pray about some things concerning us, concerning us as a church. And I say, God, thank you, because you didn't have to reveal that to me. You really did. And you just caused me to worship. Are you with me at all this morning? Amen. Does it make any sense to you? Whether you're a leader of a city, a leader of a home, whether you're a leader of a business or a leader of anything, you need revelation. You can't do without it. And so here's some more information. So not only is this scripture telling us that when you get revelation, you worship. It also says when you get revelation, you become responsible so that you can understand your worth. Now let, me, let, me, let me let you look at some other scripture here. We're, we're, we're going to move here to Matthew 28, 19. Now, Jesus says that Jesus says, all authority and all power has been given unto me. Then he says, go. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something about this. 
Because when you start seeing your worth and your value, there's something about understanding ethnos, which means people group, which means all people, which means nations. And God wanted to show his wealth to the world. God wanted to show his wealth on earth by what? By giving nations and people value over all the birds, over all the creation, over every, uh, what you would call, insect, over the cattle, and all of that. All nations. And so your worth is because you're not only created in the image of God, but you reflect God. So let me say this. The revelation is there to show you what your responsibility is. So after he has shown himself to 12 guys for some three years, he says, now, you go do what I did to you. You go what? You, 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 you go baptize nations. You go and change territories. That's what you go do. You go get it done. So therefore, if you worship me, I'm going to show you your worth in me. Because I'm going to what? Send you. If you go and read Exodus and see the conversation that God had with Moses and how much God had to tell Moses how much he was worth. Because Moses kept giving excuses, send somebody else. God says, no, man, I'm going to send you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God is not sending somebody else. Did you know you were the first team? You know that? He's not sending, he's sending you. So if he gives me a revelation that shows me my worth, then he gives me that shows that shows me how to worship. Then he gives me uh, responsibility to show my worth. Like yeah, I love you so much, I'm gonna put this in your hand. I'm gonna hold you responsible. My parents used to make my parents used to have that ministry. Trusting me with stuff. And I blew it, man, and they would send me out again. I don't know how many times they had to send me to a grocery store in one week to get it right. Because they never wrote it down. They just told it. I had water in my head, so I forgot. But they trusted me with that information. They trusted me with that money. I thought they were crazy. Because I could use that money to buy some moon cookies, man. And I didn't always go to the store and get what I was supposed to get. It took me a while to realize, wait a minute, they gave me this much money for this product and they didn't ask for anything extra. But they wanted to show me that they could trust me. So they kept sending me. Folks, is this doing anything to you this morning? Mm. See, God, God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to say, if I give you revelation, I want you to worship me. And you worship me by being a good steward. You worship me by being humble. And then I want you to understand your worth because I'm sending you. And I'm sending you, man, to make disciples. I'm sending you because just what I gave you, Jesus is saying to those 12 guys, and then he's saying to those 120, you go! That's important for you to know. That's important for you to understand. And then if he gives us revelation to show us worship and he gives us responsibility to show our worth, now watch this. Now I want you to listen to this real closely. Because there's other things in here about worth that I want you to see. Look at Acts.
Acts 12, 29. Now, Jesus is using Paul to speak to the Epicureans at Mars Hill in the book of Corinth. And when Jesus, when Paul begins to speak to these, what you would call educated people, philosophers, who spend all day just debating in the open square, Paul gets to an unknown God. He uses that as a bridge to communicate something to these intellectual-minded people because he wanted to reach them in their heart, not by their brain. And then he says this. He uses a phrase that they have not heard before because he says, this is the God of the universe. you got to understand, in those days, they had many gods. But they say, this one is the God of the universe. And then he says something else. He says, therefore, since we are what? Offsprings of God. See, he begins to deprogram their thinking because they need to understand that they're not offsprings of concrete and water. They're not offsprings of idols that they've made. They're offsprings of a real God. And that offspring says this, and we are not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. You see, God is saying your worth and your value is wrapped up in me. And I'm thinking about every revelation God has ever given me that I fall down and worship him. Every revelation that God gives me that I see that as a responsibility. But here's the last thing. Not only that this revelation brought about worship and this responsibility brought about my work, but there's something about wealth. Now, if I ask each one of you this morning to stand up and tell me your name, I want to ask you a question. Do you know how you got your name? Let me say this to you. You didn't get that name by you saying that's who you are. Somebody gave you that name. You didn't come out of the shoot saying, my name is Johnny. That's who I want to be. Your parents named you. Somebody named you. Now, when you look at the second part of this, 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 these verses that I'm dealing with you, I'm going to show you to it in just a minute. I just want to lay the biblical groundwork for this. There's something in the name, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Johnny. That name means grace of God, gracious of God. And let me say this to you, God has been gracious to me for 65 years. Your name means something. Ask the parents why they name their kids, what they name. My daughter's name is Justine, okay? Her name stands for justice. My son named is Alexander. He's a conqueror. We saw that. Your name means something. So when Paul makes a statement that from the Father, everybody on heaven and earth derives their name. <laughs> Are you following me now? From God. There is a purpose. There is a reason. And I'm going to show you this last scripture here in just a moment. But do you know there's four billion people on this planet, and every last one of them got a name? There are those that are named in heaven, spiritual beings. They got a name. There's nothing that exists that don't have a name. And yet Paul 
is so bold to say this. This revelation moved to responsibility that also lets me be God's reward, God's inheritance. So I want you to get this last point here. So if then, when we look at this, it says when you get a revelation, you worship, and then you see yourself responsible, and you see your worth, and then here's the last thing, that in your name, he rewards you with his wealth. So I have a wealth of grace. The name Johnny means God is gracious. <laughs> yeah. Your name means something. My wife's name is Victoria. It stands for being victor, victorious. Think about your name. Some of you got biblical names like Luke. Think about it. That's important for you to know. See, I hope I'm getting your attention. If your name is Ray, that means you're a ray of hope. <laughs> Are y'all with me at all? should understand that verse 14 and verse 15 is trying to say something to you. So look at this last verse that I'm going to refer you to. This is Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father over Father of all who is over all, I mean above all, and in you all. I think Paul was from Southern Texas. He said, you all, that's how we talk, y'all. But <laughs> y'all understand that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, if theology on his knees is nothing more than intercession, and theology thinking about God, knowing about God, studying about God, getting his nature, getting his attitude, getting his heart, should drive me to my knees. Because I get a piece of him. There's a scene up in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going back to verse 14 and 15. I'm going to break it down for you. I just had to give you that introduction. Long one, wasn't it? There's a scene up in heaven where angels are around the throne. And the scene is this. When you look at the angels, they're constantly bowing. They sing a song. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Someone got a bit of wisdom one day and said the reason why they bow is because every time they stand up and look at God, they see something different than they've seen before. And it forces them to bow again. They're constantly
Now, why is that so important? You can take my fingerprint, and you can take yours, and they're not the same. He's a God of specificity. That's how special we are. And that's why you have a name that is different than anybody else in the world. That's why you identified as different because your DNA is different in the world. So before Paul cuts into this prayer, of which you'll hear about next week, then what I want to do now is I want to go back to the scripture and show you how the scripture lays itself out as we begin to close. Now look at verse 14. Go back to verse 14. Look what it says. For this reason. For the reason that I got revelation, which made me a story, which God gave me to tell the Gentiles and the Jews that the manifold wisdom of God is going to be displayed to the church, to the visible and the invisible world. I understood that. And it's for that reason that I began to do something. It is for that reason that I bow. I put myself in an atmosphere and an attitude of worship. He says, I bow my knee. My knees are bent and my hands are to the air or to God. And that stewardship is real because when my knees bow, my knees bow to show my humility. My knees bow to show this. Not only this, that I'm humble. But watch this. I am ready and I'm obedient. See, when you bow before a king, you won't move until that king tells you to get up. And when you get up, that king's going to tell you where to go. And that's why what we need in the church today is to fear God again and the lordship of Jesus Christ. So that we can realize we're not just serving Jesus. We're serving Jesus as king. We're serving Jesus as lord. Period. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. So Paul says, I bow my knee. And he says, I bow my knee, what? I'm not only telling you why uh, I'm bowing my knee, but I'm telling you who I'm bowing it to. And then he says, the Father. Now, now, now the word Father here is uh, a pater, pater, which basically means Supreme being, it means creator, it means to be respected, it means title, it means position. He says, I bow my knee before the Father, and then he says something else. He says, from whom? He's saying, these things originate from him, from whom every family, patrai, family means group of people who are related in some fashion, He's saying this, that this is what you would call paternal descent. This is kindredness. This is lineage. This is tribe, people, and nation. Because it's from him that we get that. And then he begins to close and says that in heaven, okay, he says, whom every family, watch this, in heaven, there are families in heaven, cherubims, sephirims. And then he says, families on earth, myriads of them, four billion people. 
derived. And the word derived means this, to come from something, to have something as a source. And then this is the last part, derives its name. Let me tell you something about the last part. A name is a word that constitutes the distinctive and designation of a person. Did you not know that your name not only means that you're distinctive, but your name also means that you're going somewhere? Your name also means you're being sent somewhere. Not only that, but it begins to communicate to you something else here. It says that two things are in a name, actually three, distinct, design, and destiny. See, God changed Abram to Abraham because of what he was going to do with him. He changed Jacob to Israel because of what he was going to do with him. So then, ladies and gentlemen, how do we close this? How do we do it? What is God saying to you? Well, simply this. God wants to give you revelation today, right now. But what he's saying is, are you ready to receive it? He wants to give it to you. And if you're ready to receive it, then what you're going to have to decide in your heart is that when you get it, will you worship it? Because it'll come. If you decide today that you want the revelation, that you want answers to something that you've been wanting for so long, and that you want God's heart and God's mind on it, God says, I'll give it to you if you will honor me. I'll give it to you if you worship me. And I'll give it to you if you see the value in you getting it. Because I want you to be a good steward of it. And then when it comes, I want you to be able to see the wealth that it brings. That's for you today, Jesus. That's for you who are sitting in the pews today. God wants to give you revelation. And as we close today, here's what I want you to think about. Do you want it? And if you do, are you ready for it? want to receive it, then say in your heart this morning, I'm ready to worship when I get it. I'm ready to see the value of it when I get it. I am ready to see the wealth that it brings when I receive it. I want you to ponder that for a moment. Get ready to take a offering. Okay? Get ready to worship. Get ready to close. And I'm going to ask you to do something. God brought me some revelation this week, ladies and gentlemen. It was huge. and say exactly what you said when you 
we're taking up the offering, I want you to really think in your heart. Because this revelation is going to come. And it's going to come. I wouldn't be surprised if the revelation came through an individual. I would not be surprised if the revelation came through the word. But if you're willing to worship and see value and wealth, God will send you the revelation. That revelation is not there for your benefit. That revelation is there for God to reveal his heart to you. And when you get his heart, benefits come later. But it is not the purpose of it. So I'm going to ask you today. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of anybody.
say, Holy Spirit, we don't know how to pray. But we say this, Holy Spirit, you know how to pray for us. God, I know you've taken the obedience of these people, and you will answer. I look forward to the phone call. I look forward to the text. And say, God gave you revelation. I believe God wants to give you our revelation.